Hi, everyone. I'm Kara Scott, and welcome to this episode of The Heart of Poker, sponsored by 888 Poker. Now, although this is a poker podcast, I won't be asking any strategy questions. Instead, I'm using a slightly modified set of increasingly personal questions developed by psychologists 25 years ago. They had this theory that intimacy over a short period of time could make strangers potentially fall in love. I've shortened the list of questions for time and updated some of them, but otherwise this is what they came up with as a shortcut to get to know someone on a deeper level fast. And I'm here to help you all fall in love with my next guest. In honor of the WPT Deep Stacks and 8 at 8 Poker Online Festival from the 18th to the 26th of April, I'm happy to welcome my second WPT guest to the podcast this month. He's part of one of the most iconic commentary teams in poker. Vince Van Patten, as you can easily tell by his name, is part of a Hollywood family dynasty and himself started in the entertainment business early. First as a child actor, then a professional tennis player as well, and as course a poker player and he's been one of the most recognizable voices in our game for nearly 20 years thanks so much for doing this Vince I have really been looking forward to this oh hi Kara yeah this is exciting I'm um, I'm thrilled I didn't realize this was uh questions from a psychologist but I'm game <laughs> shrink me okay cool we might fall in yeah. love but you know the audience obviously already fell in love with you years yeah. ago so um <laughs> Here we go. The first set of questions, it's all pretty pretty standard stuff, pretty easy. Uh, the first one actually hits a little bit differently in a world dealing with a pandemic. The question is, given the choice of anyone in the world, who would you want as a dinner guest? I know you know a lot of interesting people, so this is not going to be easy to narrow down. Mm, well, it's tricky, but I'll tell you who I would love to sit next to. That would be, there's two people. First, Paul McCartney mm. from the Beatles. I just think uh, he's amazing. I listened to one of his interviews just recently uh, with Howard Stern, believe it huh. or not. And he, the guy the guy is so humble. First of all, when I was growing up and I'm like seven years old, the Beatles arrive and become my favorite group of all time. And I just think the brilliance, where it came from for mm. him. And then to hear his humility throughout everything he did. Uh, makes me makes him an idol of mine, and I just think he's so interesting and creative, and so that would be the one. And the second one would be Joel Olstein, who's a religious uh, leader. Yes. And do you know? Okay, and I just think he's the greatest preacher. He's not even preaching; he's just saying the word of of God. I believe, mm -hmm. and uh, he's just so brilliantly does it. And also, he has such humility, and also. Um, makes it so human mm. and inspiring. So I love him too. So those would, those would be the two people. That'd be an interesting table, actually, to get all three of you at. I can imagine some of the stories. There'd be ah. <laughs> it'd be pretty interesting to see that kind of reaction. By the way, it's great that you're. So many poker players are going to be listening to this. I love poker players, and I love it that they, they love the mm. game and have been listening to you and me for over the years. Mm. So I hope they get a lot out of this. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will as well. It's a it's a kind of a different way to look at the people that, I don't know, we kind of think that we know. We listen to your commentary and, you know, we read your interviews and all of that. But it's just kind of like a, a look under the hood. <laughs> I'm, I'm like the emotional mechanic. I'm just going to take a quick look under the hood. Um, yeah. So the second question, the original question from the study itself was, would you like to be famous and in what way? But I mean, given how you grew up, your success in tennis, entertainment, poker, that's not really a hypothetical for you. So what was it like to grow up with fame and, and to have that? Well, 
I don't want to be phony about it. Fame is fun. Mm-hmm. You do things, you know, initially it's like my father used to say, don't show off. But there's another side that people want to show off. People want to show their talents and to, to have laughter and do something good so that they could be the center of attention for a while. Yeah. And then you can shine it on somebody else. So there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that's why people get into the entertainment field and, and things like that, or want to succeed in life. You know, mm-hmm. you want to be noted. So there's nothing wrong with that. And um, I think for me, that's always been a, a fun thing is that you can do something and you can show people you're good at and you can inspire people. So. Yeah, I agree. I For me, I mean, I have a much smaller level of whatever notoriety, I wouldn't even call it fame, but notoriety in poker than, you know, you would have or, you know, Mike Sexton did have as well. But for when people kind of come up to me and, and they want to say hello and they say they like my work, it's so gratifying. It's like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, you know, I really love what I do and I worked really hard on it and you guys liked it. <laughs> I don't know. I find it really satisfying. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's like, uh, you know, I have a lot of different people that I look up to and listen to mm-hmm. and see in sport and uh, politics that I admire. And then you like to go up to them and say, Hey, I saw you and I'm impressed by you. There's nothing wrong yeah, with that. So absolutely. That's my yeah. Okay. So what would constitute a perfect day for you? I'm guessing tennis okay. is going to be involved. That's a guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I am, I love life and I'm a fitness buff. I really love exercise. So I, I'm kind of simple this way. I'll just get a, a great workout early in the morning. I'll do a lot of a reading and writing in the morning. Mm-hmm. I'm very creative early with a couple of good cups of coffee, strong coffee. I mean, I'm talking about getting up at 530, <sighs> 6 o'clock every day, stretching, going to the gym. I work out maybe an hour and a half to two hours a day, do an hour of cardio and then lift weights. It just makes me feel alive. Yeah. It's so good. Like I have an edge. I want that edge. Mm-hmm. I want that feeling of it's, a, it's like a drug. And after I'm done with that, I'm a little tired, but I, you know, you get a great meal and I live by the ocean in Malibu, and I, I do love to go in the ocean every day, even cold water, mm. and just to be with my family. I have three kids. I have a beautiful wife, and we like to spend time together and eat well and and just have a good time. But it's all through like health and exercise, which is fun. And I used to play a lot of poker, but you know, not as much anymore. Mm. I will be coming back at a bigger level soon, perhaps. But for now, it's like I like the time and just feeling healthy and getting staying healthy and being appreciative. Yeah. That's what, yeah, that's well, it. Well, I'm curious, what are you when you're sitting down and doing, you know, reading and writing, what kind of writing are you doing? Um I, you know, I'm a screenwriter mm-hmm. as well. I got, I got a movie 7 Days to Vegas that we just mm-hmm. did. I wrote that. I'm always writing a project, a film or a documentary or something. I find find it creative and I just sometimes something hits me and so I want to write. And uh reading, I'm always reading about something that I want to do or travel, or be, or just improve myself. So that's that's the kind of things I mean by by yeah. uh, reading. I you know I was a tennis player. I was top twenty five in the world. I learned how to. I was self taught. I never had tennis huh. lessons. I wasn't a very good junior, but I learned how to play better tennis by reading Bobby Riggs's book huh. and told the strategies and uh, called Court Hustler. And poker, I learned how to become a good poker player by reading all the books <laughs> and studying. And so everything I do, and even screenwriting, I read all about that. I love to read about things I like and then I want to do yeah. and try to conquer it that way. Huh. So. Okay. Well, the next question yeah. is a little bit more in depth. I've had a, 
a whole range of answers to this one. So if you could change anything about the way that you were raised, what would it be? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, you can't. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. And would I, I, I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I would not. My parents were amazing, um, but unorthodox and they just loved us a lot, but they didn't know where the heck we were. They didn't give us, <laughs> you know, strict discipline. So we had that other side that we could do a lot of things and um, we learned a lot on our own. And, but I, I wouldn't change that I, because it turned out perfect. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of hard time with, with life and, and learned a lot of lessons by myself and my brothers did yeah. too. So I would, they were amazing parents, mm-hmm. you know, they were, they taught about loving life, not taking yourself too seriously uh, giving back, being good to people, being a good friend, that type of thing. Keeping your sense of humor about life mm. and appreciation. So the bottom line is, and good food and laughter and <laughs> entertainment. They did all of those things, but they weren't like the typical parents. You have to be great in school. You have to get these great. No, 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 no. We did our own school. I never did homework. Mm. I just didn't do it because we didn't have to. Just barely got by high school. <laughs> but that didn't stop me from being curious about life and learning other things. So they were unorthodox in that way. They never said, you have to go to college and you got to do this. What are you going to do with your life? No. Life, I just figured out what I want to do, what I loved, because that's what my father did. That's what my mother did. We loved things. And that's, so anyway, I I can't say I would change a thing. I think that's really beautiful. Um, My parents were likewise very unorthodox. And I think it gave me room to figure a lot of things out, you know, that maybe I wouldn't have figured out if it was, you know, go go straight to university and do this and do that. And, you know, I was able to kind of be a little bit more free and figure all those things out. And, you know, people are parents in their own ways. And, and, you know, all credit to them for how they decide they want to do it. But I'm going to try to do that as a parent myself, give uh, my my little girl that kind of space. Did you do that for your kids as well? Do you kind of give them that same, a little bit of structure yeah. and a lot of space? Yeah. Mm. Some could say I'm too lenient, but it, it's worked out. <laughs> the kids are doing great. And, you know, my parents always trusted us too. So mm. they would tell us like secrets that, you know, like something was going on with their friend and, and they said, well, you you know, you can't say anything, you know, don't ever mention this, but this is the way it is. Oh, okay. So they trusted us. And that, I think in a deep level, we respected that a lot. Yeah. They appreciate it. respected us. Yeah. And you rise to the occasion. I think as a kid, yeah. if someone trusts you, you become trustworthy, yeah. you act in that way and, and you learn so much about life as a kid that way. That's, mm-hmm. right. That's right. Okay. For, well, for now in your life, what do you feel the most grateful for? Um, so many things, but listen, I know it's, uh, you know, I, I have, we have our health. I have my family. That's number one. Um, I'm still kicking around at age 63. That's not Feeling old. Good, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I feel like um, I'm very appreciative of, of life yeah. and I have a lot of friends that have, have are gone, mm. passed away and, you know, great friends. And it's like this mystery of life is, is an interesting thing. Yeah. And it's not going to change. So I am appreciative of just of life and my friendships with people mm-hmm. and the greatest job ever on the world, Poker Tour. Yeah. I love my job. <laughs> I'm just happy where I am right now. And I'm much happier now than when I was in my 20s playing on the tennis circuit and striving and mm. didn't know myself as well and going through a lot of stuff. And yeah, so 
Good times. Yeah. This is all good. If you could go back yeah. and just, you know, whisper a little something in the ear of 20-something you, some kind of advice, something like to focus on, to know about yourself, oh. what would it be? No, there I would change something. I would not be as intense. When <sighs> I was younger, I, I was so tough on myself to be number one in the world in tennis. Got to number 25 and beat some of the greatest players. And But I thought I was going to be number one or or forget mm. it. I mean, I lost control of myself. I lost the love of laughter and what got me there and the excitement. And I learned great lessons from that. But I would say, hey, relax, mm. you know, just take it easy. <laughs> um, it's all going to happen. And to pace yourself. Gosh, I'd have been even better if I would have paced myself. Mm. If I had someone, a good coach or someone in life saying, hey, no, no, you, you don't have to be this right now. Just take your time. You've got another 15 years in front of you. Never happened for me. So I took my lumps that way in life. Now that's the way it was supposed to happen mm. for me. But if I could whisper back and change things, I think it would have made it a lot easier, yeah. which might have been better. Yeah. Okay. Um, so how important is music in your life? The question in the in the study is really when did you last sing to yourself or someone else? But kind of in a wider sense, how important is music in your life? Crazy. It's uh, <laughs> You're talking to a person that is extremely important. Mm -hmm. So when I'm working out every day and – I have my my uh, headphones on, a wire, um, every day listening to music. Every yeah. day I have a tons of different music, 60s and 70s and stuff today. It's all variations. And I have my favorite songs and I have lists. And I have those things in all the time because music inspires me. And it's go to the grocery store, I have it on. Yeah. Um, um, it's it's an amazing thing. Music's an amazing thing to me. And uh, I have a huge boombox I just bought a few months ago, right? <laughs> Old fashioned boombox. I put it outside by the uh, in the driveway. I had a backboard made so I could play tennis against a backboard, and I just boom out this music. So the question being, <laughs> is music important? Music is incredibly important. Yeah. To me. I love music. Yeah. Okay. Now this one, we're getting co close to the end of the first section. Um, if okay. you could wake up tomorrow having gained any ability or quality, what would it be? Um, I feel I'm, I'm lucky. I, I got enough nice, fun things hmm. that I'm good at, you know, and I, and I love, but if you're going to throw something out there, yes. Okay. It would be to be a music creator, to be able to create songs, oh, yeah. just down a piano. And just boom, I could create something wonderful. That's a great gift. And it's not just a gift. It's the talent of going in front of that piano every day and thinking about tunes yeah. that come to you and, and you're creating. So that is something that's um, that's a, that's a, that's something I admire. Mm -hmm. And sure, that would be it. Okay. Last one of the section. If you were going to live to the age of 90 and be able to retain either the mind or the body of a 30-year-old for the last 60 years of your life, which would you want? The mind or the body? Oh. Uh, obviously you, you, know, you better have both, but, um, the, the body's nothing if you don't have the mind, yeah. but mind's there and you have a, the body's deteriorated. That's not fun either. No. So it's really coin toss there. Um, okay. Uh, I'll tell you what it would be. It would be the body only because I have a buddy of mine that actually has Alzheimer's mm. early in his fifties. And believe it or not, I've seen this for the last two or three years with him. He's pretty happy-go-lucky at this point. Yeah. It's like I, I speak to him. And it's like he doesn't know that he's deteriorating. Mm -hmm. So 
yeah, maybe that's not as bad. You lose a little bit. You get some dementia. You don't realize it. You know, someone yeah. tells you the same joke three days in a row. You're still laughing. So I'm going to throw that one out there. I'm gonna, <laughs> maybe <laughs> your body, which is healthy and fit, and your mind slowly goes, yeah. okay, maybe I can live that. Nice, gentle so, way. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Um, the second set, we start off with one about the future. If a crystal ball could tell you something, anything about your life, your future, or actually something that's already happened, what would you want to know? Are there any secrets out there that have been just, you know, you're dying to figure out anything at all? Nothing. I mean, everything, nothing <laughs> really. Uh, but uh, I do think about the ones, my friends that have passed away, my family, mm -hmm. and I think about them often. And I think, you know, I'm always looking for signs. I know I'm, I might be talking to myself at night. I go, I look out and I go, mm -hmm. all right, just show me the sign. Okay. I know you're, you're, you're probably out there. I believe you're out there. Can you just give me a few hints? You know? <laughs> I would, if I could ask anything, yeah, I would say, you know, where are you? What is it like? Is it really heaven? And, um, and what's that all about? I mean, that's a great yeah. mysterious question. And that's what I'd like to know. Sure. It's one of the great questions know. of like humanity, isn't it? You know, what happens yeah. afterwards and yeah. yeah, where do we go? You know, Houdini, Harry Houdini, mm -hmm. the great magician in the thirties, I believe. Yeah. You know, he, he was obsessed at the end of death. And when he died, he was telling his wife and people, this is the way you're going to contact me and all that. <laughs> Um, and I don't know whether they ever got Houdini ever contacted them again, yeah. but, but I know there's other stories where people feel like they have been contacted completely sure. and for real. So, uh, I think it's interesting. Yeah. And also they might just be too busy <laughs> having like an amazing that. time. And then they're like, oh man, a millennium went by <laughs> just where does the time go? You know, yeah, we have no idea. You know what? Yeah. Life is so miraculous and so yeah. interesting. So anything is possible Yeah. when they say, well, that's, that's a fairy tale. <laughs> that a, no, it's not. I believe in fairy tales. Mm -hmm. Fairy tales could be very real. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, you've covered so much in your life. It's hard to imagine that there's anything you've actually not done yet. But the question is, is there anything that you've dreamed about doing for a long time and haven't done yet? I'm pretty content with where I am. But I'm gonna, I mean, I've done a lot and I like what I'm doing. Yeah. But I am going to, uh, I would say, do some special trips with my wife mm. around the world. Um, just things we could really, um, it's not even a place, it wouldn't be places, it's like moods, like go to like New England and spend a month, you know, like a month at a certain house that yeah. we would rent be by the ocean and the storms. We love rain and the feel of rain and, mm. and that type of thing. So I'm a weather person. I like to feel the different weathers around the world. Um, so it would be like trips like that. We, we were planning to do that um, coming up. And not this year because we still have a 17-year-old in the house. Right. And all that. But, you know, down the line, I want to do, like spend some time in different places around the world. Hmm. Um, I do love to travel. So uh, that's something I want to do. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. what would you say is the greatest accomplishment in your life? Uh, well, my life only got great when I started having kids. I mean, that's really when it turned and went, okay, uh -huh. this is really what it's about. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. But uh, accomplishment. Yeah. I, you know, I guess I was the ATP rookie of the year in 1979. Mm -hmm. So that was the, 
you know, I was top 40 in the world. And then I moved to number 25 when I beat the number one player in the world, John McEnroe, in a major tournament, the biggest indoor tournament. Oof. So that would be without tennis lessons or anything, and no one expected it. You know, <laughs> I guess I'm proud of that the, the most for things like that, um, uh, defeating McEnroe in that forum uh, when he was one in the world. Yeah. That would be my greatest accomplishment. Gosh. I think. That's so few people in the world that can say that they've done that. It must feel incredible to be able to look at that and go, yeah, that is there. It's always going to be there. I did that. Yeah, it is. And I, the, the further we get away from them, I go, wait, what the heck? No one gave me lessons. No one said I could do it. No one even said, hey, you're going to get a scholarship at a college. There was one tennis teacher my father took me to when I was 12 years old. And he hit, and my father said, so what do you think? You think he's got potential? He goes, if he plays all the time, he goes, he might turn out to be a good club player. <laughs> so that's constantly heard like negative. Wow. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. And when I did it and became one of the very, very best, it's like I look back and go, okay. It was from people telling me no. Yeah. And I think it was God sees that. I really believe the man upstairs sees that, makes you work harder, and can make anything happen. Hmm. So it was God-given almost. Wow. Yeah. So who gave you the most kind of encouragement and support then in your tennis career? Uh, there was no one. Wow. There was no one in my tennis career. No, no one. And uh, got there on my own and just you get hit enough and beat enough yeah. and you love it enough and you just say, hey, this finals fun when I finally beat the guy that was beating me and <laughs> said I couldn't do it. So that gets, so I got better and better. My father always had faith in me. He said, hey, you've got a great backhand. But, you know, my parents you know, had faith, but they didn't think I was ever going to make it as a tennis mm -hmm. pro. So no one really. So that felt good. Okay. That feels good. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, the next question is, what roles do love and affection play in your life? How important is family to you? It's, it's everything. I mean, I, my wife, Eileen, and I love each other very much. We've been married 18 years now. And uh, it, it's great. And um, having three kids and bringing them up is amazing. And we're really tight. We're all tight. Very blessed that way. Very, very lucky. Mm -hmm. So it's a huge thing, and you keep trying to make it better and better and work on the problems if you do when you have the problems and uh, getting creative. So that's all important. Right. Yeah. What did you kind of take um, lessons-wise from your own upbringing and your parents and, and bring to your kids aside from kind of like giving them that freedom that we talked about? Is there anything in particular that you, yeah. you were like, this is really important, I'm going to do this? I, my parents loved each other very much. They were married 60 years, 62 years, and then my father, until my father passed away six years mm -hmm. ago. So I watched them. They were an amazing couple. She loved him when they were, but they fought all the time. They had fights. They had a lot of fights. He would bug her, <laughs> get outside, you got to play tennis. No, I don't want to play tennis. And, you know, let me do what I want to, you know, he pushed her and she would, you know, she was amazing, but they would fight. And then she'd be in tears sometimes. Oof. We'd watch that. He'd be in tears, and 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 then, but he would always come in after the fight, half an hour in, and he would look at her and go, "Okay, Pat, if you really don't love me this time," and she would say, "I I, I hate you." Oh. She goes, "We really mean that, and you really don't love me, then you will not laugh by the time I count to three, right?" And she goes, "Shut up, you bastard!" <laughs> One, and he would go two, and he would have that look on his face, that funny look, that connection, and he never got to three before <laughs> she was probably 
laughing, bursting out loud laughing. And then they would hug and that was their makeup, hmm. you know, <laughs> wow. and that was awesome. But I learned in my relationship with Eileen um, that I, I, I don't bug her as much. It's more of a 50, 50 thing. My <laughs> father was more of the chauvinist mm. and, you know, old school man, woman relationship yeah. thing. And, and I've, I've evolved. Okay. I'm trying to say I evolved. <laughs> and I will roll with the punches. I understand keeping the pieces, everything. Mm-hmm. And I do not just blow hard. I'm right. I can't, I take, try to take my ego out of it because she's probably right. You know, <laughs> most of the time. So that's what I've learned. Yeah. And I think the kids are going to learn the same thing. It's a different, um, it's a whole different look these days of how to get along. Oh yeah. Uh, right. Oh, completely. Yeah. It's, it's different. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I look at my parents' relationship and then my own, and then, you know, some of the, the younger players, you know, in a different generation than me, things are very different. And I don't know, I find that quite exciting. I, I like to be able to see how things are evolving. And that we can evolve. Yeah. I mean, as a species, we are constantly emotionally evolving. We are moving towards something, I hope, that is kinder <laughs> to, you know, to Absolutely. each other. That is my great hope anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Last question in the second set. <clears throat> mm-hmm. If you knew in one year that you would die suddenly, would you change anything about the way that you're living now? I'm going to guess you're going to say no after all that you've talked about. You know, you sound like you're someone who's really in the right place right now, but uh, how would you answer? Uh, I got to change everything, really, because I'm not happy. Huh. Basically. Now, I'm kidding. <laughs> of course, you nailed it. I, I'm going to say no, 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 no. I'm doing just fine. Mm-hmm. I'm a lucky guy. I'm a happy guy. I'm really. And uh, not that I don't have problems. I just deal with them yeah. and just... I realize, you know, this is a this is a good life. This is a good time in my life, and uh, very happy and appreciative. So, right. no, I wouldn't change a thing. How has the pandemic treated you? I mean, I know a lot of people have had harder harder rows to hoe than others have. So, what's it been like for you? We've been lucky. The whole family, no one's no one got it. Mm. We've been able to stay at home a lot. Yeah. Um, um, it's been stressful between my wife. My wife is more of a, a believer that it's was a, a even a a bigger deal and to be more mm-hmm. uh, vigilant about everything. And I'm a little more loosey goosey, and so there's it's added the stress there. Yeah. But overall, we've teamed up and we got through yeah. this, and we both got our shots now. Our oh, first that's ones. great! And we'll probably have the kids do it real soon too. So we've been very lucky and um, didn't catch it and isn't this all it's been awful yes. but it's people so much it's it is going to teach people how to appreciate life again yeah. and this little thing so it, it, i just feel bad for the hundreds of thousands yeah, millions million. around the world that have died yeah. and, and, and you know so but besides that if you get through it uh, we will be stronger yeah i think it's really i mean it it's tried to teach us something about how interconnected we are and how important it is what you know how our actions do impact the people around us and you know how our actions as a country even impact the other countries of the world and i really really hope that once this is over that people actually do remember that and governments do remember that because you know there's all the talk about the what was it the 1918 spanish flu epidemic and how it yeah. just kind of fell out of people's memories almost immediately like they just did not want to think about it it was so hard and so difficult and i just really hope we can hang on to some of the lessons that were learned I think social media yeah. probably won't let us forget. So <laughs> we'll all be getting those reminders in a year from whatever Facebook be like, this is what you were doing a year ago. 
nothing. The sad thing is that things fade. Like yeah. Even the good memories, the things that you're supposed to appreciate, even over time, that fades and they become just as jaded. But maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Maybe this will be something different. But even the bad things, people forget about the wars and the yeah. people who lost in, in certain wars and after that fade. That's human nature. Mm-hmm. But overall, it, it, the next few years, getting over this is going to be a one big part. Yeah. You know, it's going to be going to be jumping up and down and let's hope it can last. Maybe it will. I hope so too. Okay. The last set of questions. Here we go. The first one is, have you ever been genuinely terrified? Sure. Mm -hmm. Sure, 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 sure. Many times uh, in my life. Yeah. Um, But a, a couple times, once I was 12 years old and uh, I, we lived in an apartment building in the Sherman Oaks, uh, that's the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles. We're in an apartment, and my brother and I shared a room until I was 18, little tiny mm-hmm. room. And when I was 12, February 9th, 6.02 a.m., we, we had moved out from Long Island, New York, and we were here for one year. But on that day, it's 6.02, there was a major earthquake. Epicenter was five miles away from where we lived. Oh. And that thing shook me out of bed so horribly. It was a big one, 6.5 on the Richter scale. It's pretty big. And when you're right near it, I thought it was the end of our apartment and it was going to collapse. It didn't. But I ran inside my parents' room and they were in bed. And I ran under their bed. Mm. I just stayed there for about a minute, you know, and it was over. Anyway, you know, then you get your aftershocks and, you know, who knows whether that's going to happen again. And then in 94, it happened again when I was in Sherman Oaks again, living there with my son, who was six months old and my wife at the time. And a big one happened again and our walls came down. And I'm, I have to say, I'm, terri- I'm terrified of these quakes mm-hmm. because it's it, feeling completely out of control and you're, you don't know where the house is coming down or this is your last day on earth. So mm-hmm. that's terrifying. To me, earthquakes are, and we know the big one's going to happen. So, you know, I get all prepared and, and I'm always telling people, you know, be extra, you know, prepared. I have all the emergency kits yeah. and all that stuff. This is one. It is one of my fears, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I, I know I should trust more and know that we're going to get through it. Maybe that's the case, but I do fear it still, and I'm working on that. Well, being prepared yeah. for things, I don't know. I think that as human beings, sometimes fear is a, a really healthy emotion and an incredibly healthy reaction to things because it tells us to be prepared. It tells us to do yeah. something, you know, and I – I think this is uh, earthquakes are a perfect example of that. But I'm curious why you still live on the West Coast if it's something that's really because <laughs> I mean you're living in Earthquake Central. <laughs> you're so right. You're so well. I'll tell you what because my mother's still here ah. and my brothers are still here. I'm really tight with my brothers and the families. Mm-hmm. Here. Otherwise, I'd be gone. You're so right. I'd be back. <laughs> I'd be in Miami, Florida. Miami, Florida. I could take a hurricane. They tell you in advance <laughs> a hurricane coming. Drive seven hundred miles away. Yeah. It's so simple. You're so right. But I'm only here because the family's here, yeah. and uh, I'm sure it'll be okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And it's important. Family's important. All right. Yes. Going from family to friends, what do you value most in a friendship? And are there any kind of deal breakers for you? Wow, good question. Oh, look, I have some amazing friends over the years. Um, just people. It's a chemistry thing. I think you, once you get to know someone just a little bit, their energy, you either click with them. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you don't, right? So uh, yeah, you gravitate towards everyone. You want to be friendly to everybody. And, but it's those people that just make you feel like, whoa, this guy's like my brother. You know, <laughs> we really fuck. And I have a few good friends like that for sure. Mm-hmm. And beautiful thing. And all they have to do is, you know, enjoy hanging with me and understand me. 
And I love it when I say, that guy's a true friend. I know Rich or I know Tom would do anything for yeah. me. And I would do anything for them. I know that. And then I have certain so-called friends. Deep down, I go, hey, I don't know mm. that. It might be a little something, a little jealous of this or that. I don't feel like they're really there for me. So if something good happens for me, if, if I don't feel like that person is really behind me going, whoa, oh, man, I'm just as excited for you, then it's not a true friend, yeah, right? For sure. And I try to be a true friend as well. If I don't feel that way, which is possible mm-hmm. about certain people, I, I, I shouldn't fake it or try to be a friend with them. You know, We're acquaintances. We like each other. But if I'm not feeling that way, there's something – Missing something yeah. wrong, you're not missing, right? Yeah. That's all, yeah. And it doesn't That's even it. have to be wrong, like you were saying, it could just be that these are not, you know, this is not your specific person, this is someone who's an yeah. acquaintance, and that's really nice. And we have so many acquaintances, and I think, especially in poker or in broadcasting and entertainment, you meet so many people, right? You cannot be yeah. Yeah. super close friends with everybody. And I think when I was younger, especially, there was always the feeling that I should be friends with everybody. That's exhausting. <laughs> Who has the time? So you're right. If you're not, if you're not naturally kind of cheerleading your friends, then there's probably something wrong or something missing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. Here's a question. When did you last cry in front of another person or by yourself? Oh, uh, I haven't cried where you, you hear me going, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, that's if that's what you mean. I haven't done that. I don't think since I was a little kid. But but I I do have tears yeah. and I feel I feel deeply. So I'll tell my you know, I'll be talking to my wife about something and the tears will be rolling down, thinking mm. about a loved one or this and that or something rough that happened and you know. So uh, just a couple of weeks ago, you know, and then uh, that means I'm emotional. But yeah. I I am an emotional person, so I will feel that. Um, but. Other than that, nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. Nothing to think about. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Okay. Well, if you and I were to become close friends, what is something that I would need to know about you? Oh, interesting. I think it would be easy to realize that uh, I'd, you know, I would like you to know that I am honest. If mm-hmm. I say I want to do something, I, I do it. I do it. I do. I am very honest. I couldn't cheat anybody out of a nickel. And I couldn't, I will, if you say, Hey, this means something to me. I do it. Mm. There's no, uh, I, I will take the shirt off the back and and do it for friends. Mm -hmm. I will do that. You know, that's all. Mm. Um, That's, that's about it. I'm not going to, I'm going to maybe, here's the fault. I would maybe tell you, like if you had, (laughs) if you had, uh, Something that was it like you had you were writing a book or something. Right. I might lose you a little bit. That's my fault. <laughs> I might say, "Oh, it's very good." When it wasn't, in my honest opinion, very <laughs> maybe I'm not going to be as honest in those little white lies yeah. where it can hurt the person. I'm not that kind of guy that I'm just going to say, "Hey, I want to be totally honest." <laughs> that sucked. So I'm not that kind of friend. Maybe that's I don't know. I got that from my father a little bit. He he sugarcoated things a little bit yeah. when it came to things like that. But I will not sugarcoat when it comes to um, other things right. that I think are really important. Yeah. No, I understand what you mean. I actually have to tell my friends when they want to send me things to read or they send me um, like a film that they're they're working on. I, I always say to them, please don't expect constructive criticism because I'm always so 
amazed by my friends and their talent that I have. Uh, I mean, in, in Italy, there's a, a saying here that you have prosciutto in front of your eyes <laughs> when you love people and you just can't see anything but the best. So yeah, I've told them, I always have prosciutto in front of my eyes. So <laughs> don't expect any good. Uh, same way. <laughs> exactly. And I don't, you know, I don't like to hurt uh, feelings. Yeah. People can be hurt, crushed by, by, by criticism, yeah. you know, so I don't like to do that. I just don't like to do right. that. So. <laughs> okay. Here's one uh, that, again, I'm going to think is probably going to be an easy one for you to answer. If you were to go this evening with no chance to communicate with anyone, is there anything that you would regret not having said yet? What do you mean? If you were going to that die I mean? tonight, would is there oh, die anything tonight. that you would regret that you hadn't said? Mm, not really. Mm -hmm. Not really. Uh, I probably should tell my brothers I love them more. You know, but two, we do love each other and it's apparent, yeah. you know, but maybe, maybe that would be, something. but that doesn't mean that much because I don't need to run out. I'm going to do that today. You know why? Mm. They know it. They deeply know yeah. it. We know that. He doesn't, my other brother, I don't have to run out and say, Hey Vin, by the way, I want to, I love you, man. I mean, mm. even though we love each other and maybe people will say, Hey Vince, you should do that. Maybe I, I'm not going to, if something happened, I wouldn't go to the grave and go, Oh, I missed out. Yeah. I, I know they know it. Yeah. It's about how you live your life rather than saying the words all the time. Yeah. Yeah. My parents never said, and they were the greatest parents ever, that they loved us. Mm -hmm. All right. The whole thing. Never. Because that was back then in the 60s when they were growing They just, there was not a lot of the, I know the Italians didn't know that. My father's half Italian, mm -hmm. but um, in America, they didn't. Um, but we knew they did completely. And that changed about 15, 20 years ago. I started saying, okay, I got to break that one. I got to tell yeah. them I love them. And I felt good. And now we did that all the time. And I tell my sons all the time, you know. <laughs> well, we broke that paradigm there. Yeah. And it does feel good. It does feel good. Okay. Last question. You are almost free. Um, <laughs> your house containing everything you own and value is on fire. After you save all your loved ones and all of your pets, you have time to safely go back in and take one item only what would it be and why wow huh. damn huh hmm wow uh, just maybe a, a picture of the whole family mm -hmm. i don't maybe maybe a picture i nothing material things don't mean that much to me honestly yeah you don't have any Plus family heirlooms that are really meaningful mm -hmm. No, yeah. nothing like that. Maybe you know, we have some great pictures of family and fun things. Yeah, that, that that's what I'd run back to. That's it. It's those memories yeah. and keeping those memories yeah. alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Okay. Well, <laughs> that was our last question. Thank you for doing this wow. with me. <laughs> How was it for you? <laughs> Delightful. Great. Those are great questions. Awesome. I love it. And uh, congratulations on this podcast. And are you always been a, a? I've always been a big fan of oh. yours. I think you do an amazing job oh. and you're so nice. Everyone loves you out there in the <laughs> world. So you deserve this and you're fascinating. So oh, thank you. But then I shouldn't coach you. I shouldn't coach you. <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. Not with you. You're amazing. You're amazing. Oh. Everyone knows that. So. No, I really thank appreciate that. Me. Thank you. I really do appreciate that. I've been very lucky in my career to work with some great people and yeah. I mean, uh, we, we do really have the best jobs <laughs> in the world, don't we? I mean, I, I can't imagine having any better job than this. 
It's fantastic. It's great. It really is. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you again so much for coming on. And for everyone at home, thank you so much for listening. I hope you feel like you know the person behind the poker and the WPT commentary even better now. And don't forget that the WPT Deep Stacks and 8 at 8 Poker are joining together from April 18th to 26th for a special online festival. Thank you all so much for listening. Join me next time on The Heart of Poker, sponsored by 8 at 8 Poker. Mm-hmm.